hello, friends, and welcome to the very first episode of the new Saving Christianity podcast, brought to you by the Christian Family Online in America. I'm your host, John Shields, and in this first episode of the podcast, we're going to discuss some surprising facts from the book, Saving Christianity. Saving Christianity is a book that tells us how to have more peace, healing, and hope in our lives, and it's the book that also gave this podcast its name. Now, the title of this first episode is The Time Capsule, The Time Capsule, and in this episode, you're going to hear some facts about Christianity that have been buried for 19 centuries. The good news about these facts is that you're going to be encouraged and inspired by them. And as I said, the time capsule we're talking about in this episode has been buried for 1,900 long and lonely years. And that explains why so many Christians have never heard the things you are about to hear. Now, before we start, let's answer a question you're probably already asking yourself, and it's this. Why do I need to hear these facts? Well, you probably noticed that our logo for this podcast promises a return to peace, healing, and hope. So, if more peace healing, and hope sounds like something that would help you and your loved ones stay tuned. But I want to stop here to introduce my best friend and the co-host of Saving Christianity, our podcast, Owen Allen. Owen, why don't you say a few words to our friends? Well, thank you, John. It's a, a great and honest pleasure to kick off the new Saving Christianity podcast with you. This moment is something we've talked about for many, many years. And of course, with the publication recently of the book, Saving Christianity, well, I guess you could say the podcast has finally become possible. Yeah, this is a historic moment for us. Uh, We're talking about really a friendship uh, of 30 years and uh, so this is a, a culmination of a lot of things that you're going to be hearing about. Very much so, John. And But before we start, let me mention a fact that I think all of our friends already know uh, from watching TV, surfing the Internet, and it's this. Christianity is in trouble today. I hate to say it, but it's true. Christianity is shrinking rapidly. In other words, fewer and fewer Christians each year. And here's why that really matters. Christianity is the most rewarding, fulfilling, and miraculous experience on planet Earth. I mean that. So there should be more Christians each year, not less Christians each year. Wow, that's more, for sure. Not less. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, totally. But 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 what does this fact and and it's an important one that Christianity is shrinking mean for our listeners today? Well, 
I think it, it raises some important questions that all of us, everybody, should be asking themselves. Questions like, why is Christianity shrinking instead of growing? Mm-hmm. Why do so many Christians have less peace, healing, and hope instead of more? Yes. And most important of all, how can our friends, those listening in their cars, in their kitchens, in their offices, wherever they are at this moment, Mm -hmm. how can they have more peace, healing, and hope in their personal lives? Well, something um, about our podcast, Owen, that I'm really, really excited about. Um, years ago, um, I was working for a friend of mine who was my uh, bu- my boss, and he had a little saying for us, and it was, uh, don't come to me with a problem unless you have the solution. And so I, I am excited that uh, not only are we discussing facts and the problem, but we're going to answer those questions for our friends, aren't we? Absolutely, totally. And by the way, those are only the starter questions. Mm -hmm. That may shock some of our friends listening, but we're going to answer all of those questions and many, many like them. That's fantastic, Owen. I know I I can't wait uh, as we uh, continue to talk about this. I think we're ready to start now. So why don't we tell our friends about the time capsule? And uh, let's start with the story of the crisis that you had several years ago. Okay, John, and uh, this will be, I guess, our first story of the podcast, and it's the key. The story I'm about to tell is the key to this episode, the time capsule. And, you know, John, when you think about it, our friends need to know that we're going to tell a lot of true stories on this podcast, Uh, stories about you, stories about me, stories about our families, stories about our friends. Now, this is actually uh, not only it's a a, a true story, (laughs) but it's uh, I love the fact that it's personal. Yeah. And, you know, we want to be personal. I mean, what could be more personal in Christianity? So this is our first true story. It is about me. And here's the point. This story is about the time that I became so discouraged with Christianity that I gave up on it. Yeah, Owen, I remember many years ago you telling me that story, uh, how you were out on a lake alone um, on your boat, and uh, and, and it just as uh, the proverbial thrown in the towel, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 the Lord spoke to you. So you you had given up on Christianity at one time. Well, I'm sorry to say I did, and uh, you know, John, I was raised in a Christian home. You know that I've been mm-hmm. a Christian since age eleven. But my problem was that I kept being hurt and disappointed by what other Christians said and did. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be sort of cold-bloodedly honest here. Yeah. I saw other Christians. I'm a child now having affairs, reading pornographic magazines, mm-hmm. cursing, doing all kinds of things that were unchristian. Yeah, And it seemed to me that nobody, not even the pastors of my congregations that I looked up to, could do anything about it. Yeah, that that uh, oh, and that reminds me of, of 
my uncle one time asked me from a business world perspective, what's your product as a Christian? And I said, <laughs> well, uh, part of it is changed lives. So what you're suggesting is uh, you hadn't seen too many changed lives. So what happened? <laughs> Unless it was in the opposite direction. Direction, yeah. <laughs> well, when I reached my early 30s, John, the problem came to a head because my congregation had what we call in the Christian world mm. a church split. Sounds like that should be an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a certain decision arose in the congregation. I won't reveal what it was, but half of the members agreed with the decision, and half of the members disagreed right. with the decision. And for weeks, the congregation gossiped and argued and had meetings about the decision. And over the weeks, things got so heated that members were now shouting at one another and throwing hymn books at one another, Mm. and then the congregation split. What that means is half the families left and started a new congregation on the other side of town. The other half stayed, and that included my family, in the original building, but they were so depressed and hurt, and they were never the same. Yeah, Owen, I— when I hear you say that, and I, I know from some of my own experiences, I have a feeling that our listeners, many of them, are <laughs> nodding in agreement. Sadly, I mean, think about what you're saying, John. Yeah. It was horrible. Well, but think about this. The truth is both sides of the split, both groups mm-hmm. of families, were permanently wounded. Yes. And many never spoke to one another again. Mm. They, they would avoid each other in the supermarket. Right. And so I was so discouraged by that and so hurt by that that I gave up on Christianity, and I didn't worship anywhere after that for several years. Well, obviously, the very fact that we're sitting here talking about this is yeah. uh, something brought you back. Mm-hmm. What what was that, Owen? Well, you need to know that I had a research job at the time and uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, and one day I read a Gallup poll, and this Gallup poll told me why— church splits happen. It was a national poll of Christians, and here's what it found. Mm. Listen to this. It found the average Christian is no more spiritual Mm. than a non-Christian. Wow. The average Christian is no more spiritual than a non-Christian. And John, you remember, I knew Mm. George Gallup personally. He's deceased now, but one night in Washington, we had dinner, and he told me about this poll and how it shocked and hurt him and his uh, uh, research staff even to compile it and see the results. Yeah. You know, Owen, we've talked about this uh, many, many, many times, but But uh, maybe we should explain this in a little clearer terms. Well, as the old man said, that's where the fur flies, because in actual practice, what this Gallup poll found was this. The average Christian, I know many of our listeners are not average, but the average Christian has the same rate of divorce the same rate of child abuse, the same rate of drug abuse, the same rate of pornography addiction, and even the same rate of white and blue-collar crime as 
a non-Christian. Well, that's hard for me to get my mind around, totally. but you're actually saying <laughs> that the average Christian, professing Christian, is living the template of a non-Christian. Yeah. Yeah, you can look the two on the street and you see no difference. Right. Sad but true. So put it in this way, John. The average Christian has exactly the same daily lifestyle as a non-Christian. Yeah, and I, I, I'm afraid I agree, Oh, and That has truly been my experience now for about 36 years. <laughs> well, let's stop and summarize now for our friends who are listening. The reason that Christians have so many divorces, so much drug abuse, so many other problems is that they're living on, get this now, mm. on the same spiritual level as non-Christians. Uh -huh. And since non-Christians have all those kinds of problems in their lives, mm -hmm. then so does the average Christian. Wow. So... Um, we talked about in our opening uh, about answers to questions. So what did you do after getting that really uh, shocking information from the Gallup poll? Well, <laughs> I thought and suffered for a long time, mm -hmm. in fact, many months. And I kept asking myself this question. It rolled in my mind, mm -hmm. even at night. Why don't Christians live mm -hmm. better lives than non-Christians? Yeah. I kept thinking, why don't Christians have fewer addictions, yeah. fewer abuses than non-Christians? Yeah, great question. Well, eventually, this choice, this decision, this issue formed in my mind. And here it is. I told it to many people uh, over lunch and dinner and conversations. Mm -hmm. And here it is. Either Christianity is the biggest hoax ever pulled on Christians, or or Christians today are doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. They're misunderstanding something or misapplying something about Christianity. Wow. Oh, and that is uh, quite uh, an observation. Um, can you repeat that again? <laughs> Let's try it this way. Here was my issue. I realized that one of two things had to be true, either Christianity is nonsense, or 21st century Christians are living the Christian life incorrectly in some way that I didn't understand. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I know, but um, when the dust finally settled, which of these two options did you choose? Well, you might not believe it, but I struggled. Mm-hmm. But finally, in religion, and this applies to our friends who are listening, in the field of religion, all of us eventually have to make some hard choices. Right. And so finally, I sat up in my chair, and I made a hard choice. Yes. I said to myself, Christianity is not a hoax. Christianity is true. Yes. But. That left me with a big problem to solve. I had to find out what it was that Christians are doing incorrectly today. So that was when you started your quest. 
Absolutely. That's when I finally started my three-year round-the-clock study of early Christianity. My wife, Joanna, literally uh, brought me my meals on a tray, and except for sleeping and eating, I studied and read and worked on my computer and worked on the Internet for three straight years. And by the way, that story is in the introduction to the book, Saving mm-hmm. Christianity, and um that's a reason that everything we're saying, in yeah, fact, right. on this episode is in that book. Right. And that's why I'm hoping, we're hoping that every one of our listeners will get a copy, either Amazon, Barnes & Noble websites, so they can follow along with these points that we're making. Right. Oh, and I, I was uh, privileged to kind of have a uh, an insider's view to all that. I was in college when you were when you were doing that, and uh, <laughs> but I can assure our friends that it's one of the most practical and uh, unusual books I've ever read. Um, and and anyone who reads it uh, will reach that conclusion, I think. But tell me, what did you hope to find out? In the quest. Well, to, let's put it this way, John. I wanted to find out how the inventors mm. of Christianity lived. I wanted to find out how the founders behaved. Right. Why? Well, as the old joke goes, when everything else fails, read the instructions. Yeah. And that's what I did. That's something we all learned as young parents on Christmas Eve. Yeah, if you, when yeah. you can't get it done, read the instructions. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, that's an unusual viewpoint. Uh, you rarely, if ever, um, look at it through that lens. So let's talk about uh, the research that you did. Well, first... Over a period of three years, I read over 300 books on the early Christians, many rare out-of-print books. But I also traveled to Italy and Greece and Israel and Turkey to study the early Christian ruins and symbols Mm -hmm. and paintings and letters and artifacts that the original Christians left behind. Wow, so that's that's, uh, what brings us to actually calling this episode Digging Up. The time capsule. Exactly. That's why we're calling this episode that. And by the way, we might as well stop here and remind our friends what a time capsule is. And we're, we're, we're actually using that term, Owen, as a symbol, correct? Yeah, let's use it today as a symbol. But you know, there really are time capsules. Mm-hmm. I guess most people have never seen them. So let's tell our listeners what a a time capsule in reality is it's a box mm-hmm. or a place it can be a cave or a, a grave mm-hmm. that contains coins and symbols and letters and art and clothes and personal items right. that one group of people buries or leaves so that another group of people can dig it up later and here's why to find out how that first group lived right and and such as the way people put things in in the cornerstones of new buildings yeah. or maybe like the tombs of Excellent. the Egyptian pharaohs that sort, that sort of thing yeah because stop and think about the famous King Tut's tomb that was uh, excavated and uh, we learned so much more about the Egyptian ancient 
ancient Egyptian people that mm-hmm. nobody had known. Uh, and we learned it from all the stuff that was buried in his tomb. Right. So except that in my case, early Christian history was my time capsule. Right. I dug up the lifestyle of the original Christians by reading their letters studying their symbology. A lot of people don't know that they left many symbols. They left art. Right. Even their graves contained uh, items and even some of the ruins of their ancient homes. John, for example, later in an episode, we'll talk about the ruins of the Apostle Peter's home, which still stand today in Capernaum, Israel. Mm -hmm. And I've studied those ruins carefully. I was trying to find out what it was that made those early Christians unique. Well, since since, uh, um, this is true, shouldn't we define the term uh, early Christian history, since that's the context from which we are working? Good, good point. Okay, researchers define early Christian history as the first 300 years of Christianity, the first 300 years of Christianity, Mm -hmm. including, obviously, parts of the first, second, and third centuries of world history. Mm -hmm. But, and John, this is important, what we're calling our time capsule is only a 100-year slice out of those three centuries. In fact, that slice goes from the middle of the second, excuse me, the middle of the first, to the middle of the second centuries, 100 years. But now, uh, we are limiting our time capsule to a a 100-year slice. Right, and here's why. Hang on to your hat. Because that was the lifespan of the very first Christian families. Stop and think about that. What What if we were investigating how airplanes were invented? would be interested in the families that worked on that and knew all about it. Mm-hmm. What if we were interested? That would be the Wright brothers and their families. Mm-hmm. Or what about if we were studying assembly lines? Right. How were they invented? Then we would study the Ford families and their immediate families. And mm-hmm. so that's what, that's what we're looking at. That 100-year slice of ancient history mm-hmm. includes the lifespan of the very first Christian families. Yeah, and that's uh, so unusual um, to to be that specific. I'm not sure um, we ever hear anything about uh, first century families, but but we're limiting that that quest yeah. to the to the families of the the very first Christians. And here's why: a lot of people don't know this, John, mm-hmm. but the average lifespan of a person. Uh, in the first and second centuries was 40 years. Right. Imagine that, mm-hmm. 40 years, and it was over. So that means these first families were talking about the ones who knew mm-hmm. why Christianity was invented. In the first place, they lived 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Peter and Paul, two of the most famous early Christians, were unusual. They lived to their 60s. And the apostle John, who was a teenager when Jesus was walking the earth, broke all records by living to 92. Mm-hmm. 
But most of them died young. You know, Jesus died at 33, and many of his original apostles died young too. But, Owen, I have to ask, why is the the uh, 40-year lifespan so significant? Okay, I can say it in two words, John. Accurate evidence. Ah, okay. My quest was to collect accurate evidence on these first families and what it was that made them unique. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that occurs, as I said earlier, from the middle of the first to the middle of the second century. For example, the first accurate evidence, many people listening couldn't answer this, Mm -hmm. the first accurate evidence ever discovered about the early Christians was a letter that was discovered that was dated 45 A.D. Now, if we round that off, and let's just say 50 A.D., Mm -hmm. the first evidence, middle of the first century. Let's assume that the person that wrote that letter was about 20 at the time. So we add 20 years to him Mm -hmm. to make a complete lifespan. That brings us to 70 A.D. Mm -hmm. But wait a minute. All of the original Christians had families and children. Mm -hmm. We know that Peter traveled with his wife and his children. Mm -hmm. So we've got to add uh, 40 years for them, too. That brings us to 110 A.D. And then finally, think about it, they also had grandchildren. Right. You know, grandchildren know their grandparents, and sure. they hear the family stories at reunions, and so they knew all of this. We had 40 years for them. That brings us to 150 A.D., or the middle of the second century, and that's when accurate evidence fades out. Yeah, and so the the 40-year lifespan is significant, but also— uh, Talk a little bit about why the middle of the second century is so important. Well, that is truly when the last accurate evidence about the last generation of the Christian families is available. Just in that 100-year slice uh, is what we're calling our time capsule because that's when accurate information starts to fade out of the history books. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So— Our friends are probably wanting to know why we're limiting our time capsule to the families Mm -hmm. of the first Christians. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? You'd Mm. think it would be the famous writers or something of that period. But, well, here's why. If you're doing good research, I mean, talk to an FBI agent, Mm -hmm. talk to a police detective. You always want to collect your evidence from as close to the event and time as possible. Also, you want to use eyewitnesses as much as possible. So check this out. Mm. I limited my quest to people who had known Jesus because right. he's the founder of Christianity, and to people who had known people who had known him. Which limited you to three generations, right? Right. Because three generations are what we call an immediate family. Exactly. Okay. Researchers call the parents, children, and grandchildren okay. of any family the immediate family. Okay. And those are the ones we wanted to uh, study uh, what made them different, 
why it was their relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit made them so different. Mm -hmm. And all that information now starts to die out with the third generation of the first Christian families. Yeah, so the most accurate evidence in our time capsule comes from the first three generations of the first Christians. Absolutely. You nailed it. So let's summarize quickly. We don't want this to be too technical for our uh, dear friends who are listening. And it's this. Here's our summary. Early Christian history is the 300-year period of the first, second, third centuries. But the time capsule we're explaining in this episode is a 100-year slice of those centuries that cover the first three generations of the first Christian families. Okay, so uh, let me make sure I understand as well. So research into early Christianity can really be based on the principle of the 40-year lifespan. I think so. I think that was a a twist that uh, I felt like, uh, felt led to do, and many researchers overlooked that principle. Right, yeah. So you could also say it this way, early Christian history, the 300 years, you divide that back, you're looking at the first eight generations of early Christians, but mm-hmm. we're limiting our time capsule to only the first three of those generations. Okay, I got it, right. We're just taking a slice of that. Yep. But let's ask another another question. Why did... And, and I think this is so important. Why did early Christian history end after only 300 years? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the whole point. That's where the worm turns. Mm. Because uh, that's, John, the tragedy that yeah. we're producing this podcast to discuss and yeah. to explain to people because— That is why early Christian history did end with the dawn, with the break Mm -hmm. of the fourth century, and that wonderful lifestyle Mm -hmm. of peace, healing, and hope that those first Christian families lived faded away Mm. at that time. And so, obviously— um, that did not happen in a vacuum. <laughs> so why did? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, we're always asking why. Why did the early Christian lifestyle fade away at the start of the 4th century? It's amazing, isn't it? It is. I think, really, I personally think, John, that, and I think our, our friends would agree with that, that's one of the most important mm-hmm. questions in history because the answer to that question tells us why Christianity is shrinking today right. and why its influence on society is fading away today. Yeah, can't so dispute the, that. It is the purpose the purpose of this podcast is to answer those questions. Why did it die at the dawn of mm. the fourth century? Right. And more than that, why don't more Christians today know the answer to that question? Certainly, certainly. Well, Well, the good news is that we're going to explain all of that and answer all of those questions fully and completely as we move along. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to the 
to the answers. Uh, it's going to be a life-changing experience for uh, our friends. But let's let's back up just a moment. We've been talking a lot about early Christian uh, lifestyle. So what is that? Well, that, that's a great question, and now we're moving into parts of the answer to our questions because uh, researchers say that a lifestyle is simply a type of behavior. Mm-hmm. It's simply a way of living. Uh, it's a style of conduct that a group of people have. Mm-hmm. And listen, the reason that's important in our case and this podcast is because when you see a person's lifestyle, uh-huh. you are looking at that person's spiritual level. Okay. So it, it, is it a good thing to see people's lifestyles? Well, I think it is. I think it's important to see people's lifestyles. I mean, that's the whole message of this episode here. Uh, Why? Because the early Christians were the most spiritual people on earth. And that's what Christians were intended to be at all times and all places. Let's repeat that. A lot of people haven't thought this through. The early Christian families in the time slot that we're talking about were the most spiritual people on earth. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can read about that. Uh, We know the miracles that happened to them, the angels that appeared and guided them. Mm -hmm. We know these wonderful things, but here's the point. Christians in all times, in all places, in all ages are supposed to live that lifestyle. Ah, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment, <laughs> Owen. Um, how do we know that? Well, it's a matter of recorded history, happily. Mm. It's not an opinion. It's not something we made it up. Down through history, other people, mind you, mm-hmm. people who were not Christians, other people who were what I call non-Christians right. saw the spiritual behavior in those Christian families, and they wrote about it. And then those written reports, those ancient documents, came down through history, and they're in the museums today. Right. Let's let's talk about uh, one example today. Okay, one example. Here's probably a good, quick, easy example. Mm -hmm. Is an incident that happened in 2nd century Rome. Here we are again in the middle of the 2nd century. There was a man named Natalis. He was not a Christian, and he was standing with a group of friends who were not Christians. And they were watching the behavior of a group of the early Christians in the street. Imagine this now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if they were on a balcony or where they were, but they were watching some of the early Christians in the street. And after they watched a few minutes, Natalis turned to his friends, and here's what he said. And I quote, Mm. look at them. They love one another almost before they know one another. Wow. Look at them. They love one another almost before they know one another. Mm, I haven't heard anyone say that lately. (laughs) Tell me. And by the way, that story is in the introduction of our book, Saving Christianity. Mm. Well, um, Owen, uh, you know me well enough to know that um, I'm kind of a bottom-line guy. So uh, I would say to that, what's the point Mm -hmm. of that story for us? 
Right. Well, here's the point. The story of Natalis proves what we've been saying about the early Christian lifestyle. It proves the kind of behavior that the early Christians had. They had spiritual behavior. That's another word for supernatural behavior, which ain't a bad word, even though Hollywood's stolen it for Frankenstein movies. What it only means is something that's beyond what's natural and normal. Right. So it was supernatural behavior. Other people didn't have it. Mm -hmm. It was not natural. It was supernatural, and that's the point of Christianity. Listen, Christians are people with supernatural behavior. Wow. So he saw their behavior. He actually observed it. Mm -hmm. And obviously the conclusion is is this is – uh, a lifestyle for them, mm-hmm. and furthermore, that the lifestyle was supernatural, right? Exactly, exactamente. <laughs> you know, people, uh, if you ask a typical Christian today, excuse me, do you have supernatural behavior, they'd faint. Mm-hmm. But they should <laughs> say, praise God, God yes. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we said earlier, If you see a person's lifestyle, you're looking at that person's spiritual level. You're seeing how spiritual that person's behavior is, and that's what Natalie saw in Rome. Mm -hmm. He was amazed at how spiritual their lifestyle was. Listen to this. What he saw on the street was not human love. All people Mm -hmm. have that. Mm -hmm. What he saw on the street was spiritual love, and that's an important difference that our friends really ought to think about. Right. So actually, he saw in them and uh, something he knew he didn't have. Right? (laughs) Exactly. And something that he wanted. And something that he wanted, Uh right. uh So let me, what about this? So uh, we're saying that. In this context, that non-Christians don't have spiritual behavior. Well, that's a blunt statement, but in truth and in fact, they don't. I mean, that's the principle that our time capsule is revealed here. uh, Non-Christians don't have it. They don't have supernatural behavior. They're not equipped for it. They haven't received it because they're not Christians. And that's why original Christianity, I use that word carefully, original Christianity was different from the other religions of that day. Think about it. There were about 400 other religions of that day, but Christianity gave its people supernatural love Joy, peace, patience, and hope. hope. Yeah. And the other religions didn't give that to their members. Right. So, why do you think Christianity spread worldwide in only 70 years? 70 years. Yeah. It was in every country and every city. Why? Because non Christians saw that supernatural behavior. They wanted it too. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. became Christians to get it. And Christianity spread by that process. And as the old saying goes, the world was never the same. Totally. And it wasn't supposed to be. That's that's the the point. Yeah. 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 Is to give people lives that are filled with supernatural peace, healing, and hope. Right. And, 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 
other religions don't offer their members that. So that that's a very very important point. And and the great news is uh, that's still true today, isn't it? Okay, John, you just put your finger on the most important principle in this episode. The purpose of Christianity mm. has never changed. Right. It's the same today as it was during the years of the time capsule that mm. we're digging up. Right. The purpose of Christianity is to give people lives that are full of supernatural peace, healing, and hope that no other experience, religion, cult, belief on earth can give them. Yeah, and obviously part of the reason, uh, our motivation for even this podcast is we want uh, everyone, uh, all of our friends to be filled with that supernatural power, don't we? Absolutely, and I'm hoping as these episodes roll along that will actually happen. But you know, Mm. John, I'm sorry to say it, but I just looked at the big clock on the wall, and it's time to close episode one. But, you know, I'd like to summarize everything that we've said, and I think maybe one good way to do that is to read a few sentences from the introduction of the book, Saving Christianity. Great. That's a great, good way for us to close today, Owen. So uh, what part of the introduction are you going to read? Okay, let's read that part where I'm talking about my three years of research. Mm -hmm. And let me quote those sentences now. Here we go. Okay. During my research, it finally dawned on me that I had grown up without knowing anything about how the original Christians lived and behaved. For example, I didn't know that they weren't originally called Christians. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they didn't have buildings called churches. I didn't know that they didn't have preachers' pulpits or pews or choirs, candles, or crosses Mm -hmm. or bulletins, Bibles, or bazaars or organs, offering plates, or orchestras. In fact, I didn't realize they didn't have much of anything that we call Christianity today. So what did Mm. they have? They had incredible spirituality. They were so incredibly spiritual that they turned the whole world upside down spiritually in only 70 years. Their lives were filled with healings, peace, love, and courage. Their behavior was so different from other people that non-Christians thought they were a new kind of humans that had somehow appeared on earth, end mm. of quote. And John, that last sentence is something that many Christians have never heard. The original Christians had such spiritual behavior that non-Christians thought they were a new race of people that had somehow appeared on earth. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is amazing. And I don't know many Christians who know that. Nah, but you know, it's a critical fact, and all of us need to think about it. Mm. All of us need to ask ourselves what that particular kind of Christianity could and should Mm -hmm. mean to us personally and our children and our families. And the good news is we're going to continue exploring that idea even deeper in episode number two. Yeah, and that's why we're so excited about it 
this, and that's why we're asking all of you, all of our friends, to to tune in to episode number two. Yeah, subscribe to this yes. uh, podcast because we've only scratched the surface. And remember, this is episode one. A script and recording of it are on the Christian Family Online in America website, the same website that doubles as my personal blog. And if our listeners want to access the script and or the recording of Episode 1, mm-hmm. here's all they have to do. Go to cfopods.com, cfopods, P-O-D-S, dot com, cfopods.com on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Click in the index at the top or just scroll down to episode one on the list. And uh, and let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll get notifications for episode two and uh, the rest of the upcoming episodes. Yeah, don't forget, get a copy of the book Saving Christianity so you can follow along with these life-changing facts that we're talking about, either Amazon books, Barnes & Noble books, thrift books, or any of the other quality uh, book websites. Yeah, all of us, you need a copy of this, and you can pick one up. I I know my copy is necessary. Yeah. And our friends need to know, John, that now on episode two coming up, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to talk about what the Christian fish symbol originally meant. You know, John, that's yeah. the little symbol that you see on people's car bumpers. Right. But here's the problem. It did not originally mean what people think it meant today. Right. We're also going to talk about why Christians were not originally called Christians. A lot of people don't realize that. That's not the original name Mm -hmm. for us. A lot of people don't know uh, what Christians were originally called. And so we're going to get into that, why they were called that, what they were called. So, and, And there's a way you could say that episode two digs up even more amazing facts from our time capsule. But now, this is Owen Allen. And this is John Shields. Saying, may the God of our fathers bless you and keep you and guide you and protect you until we meet again.